everyone. Welcome back to the Galaxy's Greatest Podcast about the two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus Deep Space Nine. But today we're not talking about Babylon 5 or Deep Space Nine. We're talking about the wrap-up of Season 3 of HBO Max's Titans. How you doing today, Matt? Doing alright. Gonna talk about some trash Titans. <laughs> trash TV Titans. That's mm. it. That's it. Well... Before we go into the trash, I guess we should start with the highbrow. So uh, who was your favorite or your uh, best developed or your most interesting character of season three of uh, DC's Titans? I feel like season three was pretty much just dedicated to Dick and Jason's plot. You had the other characters coming in and having their own kind of offshoots and things going on, but it all related to what was going on between Dick and Jason. So as far as best developed, I'm going to have to go with Dick and Jason, but I didn't find either one of them that interesting to be honest, uh, Jason more so than Dick, just because he's, it's something we haven't seen. Well, I mean, we've kind of seen it before a little bit in the comics, but mm-hmm. never really live action on screen. Yeah. Yeah. And this was a kind of an interesting way to do red hood where you have like Jason as a very developed character before he becomes red hood. Whereas in the comics, it's like you have Jason as a, a not very well developed character in the eighties, kind of a little shit. Then you kill him off and then you bring him back in the mid aughts and you make him Red Hood. But there's a huge gap there. And so, yeah, I think this is I'm not that familiar with like other DC like animated and TV media. But I think this is really the only time we've seen this version of like Jason transforming into the Red Hood and then sort of transforming out of being the Red Hood. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, as far as live action goes, this is it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's multiple cartoons and I know that. DC is doing an animated thing as well with the uh, Bruce Tim animation. I think they're introducing Red Hood. Oh, in the Bruce Tim animation or in the in the comic book about the Bruce Tim? Sorry, animation? yeah, the comic book. Yeah, the comic book that's supposed to be the the. Oh, okay, the yeah. next I think it's called the Batman ex- Adventures Continues. Yes, the extension to the animated series. Yeah, I should rephrase that a little bit. Have you read any of that? Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. It's, it's okay. It, it brings in characters that you would not expect to see in the animated Timverse. It's it's pretty okay. cool. Yeah, I've, I've heard good things, but I haven't picked it up yet. Ugh. One thing you did leave out about Jason, he started off with a really weird origin story in the comics. Then it was altered to be a little more like, you know, he's the badass punk you see in this. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because the, the Earth One Jason Todd, the one who's like introduced in the early 80s, is I haven't read any of those comics, but from what I understand is he's basically just a Dick Grayson clone. Exactly, yes. And yeah, and then after Crisis on Infinite Earths, on the, when DC kind of integrated all of the different multiverses into one uh, kind of combined continuity, which, you know, sometimes gets called the post-crisis continuity or the new Earth continuity, that was, you know, you had Batman Year One sort of reimagining Jason Todd. And then you had Max Allen Collins, who was the writer, I think, on both Batman and Detective after Batman Year One. And he was, he's an interesting guy. Like, he wrote the Dick Tracy um, comic strip for a while in the, in the 70s and the 80s. And he sort of reimagined Jason Todd as kind of being like Dick Tracy Jr., where he's this, he's this little punk who, you know, is famously trying to steal the tires off right. the Batmobile yeah. and then gets taken in. But the fans really hated him. And so after after a couple years, uh, you know, they had the infamous call the 1-900 number to vote on whether the Joker should kill him. And uh, Jason lost that vote. And what I appreciate about this show, though, with Jason Todd as Robin, 
And also uh-huh. the newer comic books that have come out. So I guess it's, uh, I get confused with what's going on, but I know since New 52 they started doing this, they give different outfits for each Robin, which helps me determine which one is which. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Who yeah, I think they started doing that with Tim Drake, right? Because at least um, early Jason Todd was wearing, basically wearing the old Dick Grayson Robin outfit. Right. And then I don't know. I don't know if post crisis Jason Todd. I can't remember what his no, outfit po- looked like. Post crisis Jason Todd were the same thing. I'm talking about. Okay. I'm talking about after. I believe it's New Fifty Two or what is the newest thing? The begin. Not what's the newest, but uh, what's it called? There's New Fifty Two. Then there was DC Rebirth. Rebirth. And now we're in Infinite Earth. I think yeah, Infinite I, Frontier. Is I don't. What we're I don't in keep now, up with it that well, but I do know that I think it's in Rebirth that. All the Robins have unique outfits. Yes, Tim Drake did have the first like unique Robin outfit with a, with the green pants or whatever, the mm-hmm. green leggings. But now they all have their own unique look. So it's easy to def- tell them apart. I think they might have been doing that before the new 52. But yeah, that certainly has been the trend. And I mean, it's partly just a result of, yeah, as the Bat family has gotten bigger, they want to have all of them, you know, they want to have them all in the same stories and differentiate them. Right, and then in this show, I know that Dick and Jason have distinct outfits. They follow the same like color scheme, but it just look they look different enough that you can tell. Okay, that's Dick as Robin. That's Jason. One, one other uh, tangent I want to go on before we get back to the show. I think I mentioned this to you before, but I can't remember what you said. Um, in DC Rebirth, so this was like 2015 or so. They uh, they did a new Detective Comics run that was written by. Uh, Jim Tenyon and Tenyon wrote Detective Comics basically as it, it was like the Bat family as a superhero team kind of being written like the X-Men. So there are a yeah. lot of like dystopian futures and Bruce Wayne was kind of like the Professor X of the book. Kathy Kane, Batwoman was kind of like the Cyclops of the book. And so I was wondering, did you did you read that run at all? Clayface was trying to reform the first Clayface. And then Spoiler was involved, and Tim Drake was involved, and they they seemed to kill Tim Drake off in the first arc. Yeah, yes. yeah, he was Red Robin at that. He was in that. Particular I think he was still Red Robin at that point. Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. Yeah, it was it was a really interesting book. I, I I liked it a lot. I I haven't loved what I have read of Batman for the past ten years. I haven't read that much, but what I have I read, I haven't loved. But that that stands out to me as a highlight. Yeah, I might have to go back and take a look at that. I just I didn't get too far into it. I know it's it worth your time, and it's only I think it's six trades. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I think I read the first trade, if I'm not mistaken. But let's get back to Titans. Who was your favorite character, Bob? Yeah, so I, I have to give it to you that Dick and Jason get the most screen time and the most like complexity. I didn't like love them as characters this season. I didn't dislike them, but I just wasn't like profoundly interested or moved by that story. Although I did really enjoy the flashbacks of Dick and Barbara when they were both vigilantes and they were sort of, you know, doing a little bit of thrill killing burglary, that sort of stuff. I thought mm-hmm. that was really good. Um, I like, I liked their past relationship more than I liked their current relationship with uh, Barbara as the commissioner. And then I, I would just say just in terms of general enjoyment, I enjoyed Gar the most this season. I, I liked the way they handled his relationship with uh, both Dick and Jason, and I thought he was a kind of good conscience for both of them. So I- I'd give it to Gar this season. Did you like when he transformed into a bat, Bob? I did kind of like when he did the man-bat thing. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I-, I did think it was weird, because either in the finale or the 
penultimate episode, he says something about how hard it was to transform into a bat and how he was like part of a collective hive mind. And it's just like, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not a biologist. I don't know much about bats, but I don't think bats have a hive mind. I was just like, okay, man. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. I, I, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't think they do. They, they don't travel, yeah. they don't travel in like, whatever you would call them, gaggles or flocks or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> well, they, they, I think they do sometimes, they do sometimes flock, but I don't think they do, I don't, I think it's just by sound, right? They just they just go yeah. by echo location. Echo location. Yeah. I, given how much I like Batman, I guess I should know more about bats, but I don't. Yeah, we're gonna have to look up some bat some bat facts, some little research there. I do have a fun game I play with an ex where I send them pictures of a bat and ask them if they think uh, the bat is cute or creepy. And the general rule we've come up with is that the more you can see of the wings of the bat, the creepier they are. But like, especially like when they're snuggled and like those little bat rescue um, centers that you sometimes see on social media and they're like kind of all snuggled up in a sock and you can only see the wings a little bit. That's really cute. Then they just look like little sky hamsters. Yeah. You call it a colony of bats, apparently. Oh, it's a colony of bats. A I didn't know that. Colony of bats. Maybe they do. Because usually you associate like col like the colony is a, a collective noun. I think is more associated with hive minds, right? Like colony of ants, yeah. colony of bees. I'm just going to go ahead and let the listeners know uh, Bob and Matt don't know shit about bats. So we know a lot yeah. about Batman. <laughs> a lot about Batman. Not, not, not much about bats. However, I will, I will point listeners to one of our uh, last Lower Decks episodes where uh, you didn't know that a dolphin was a mammal. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're not scientists, Bob. We're not. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we chose to I, work in education. We're not scientists. <laughs> I feel like we should both be ashamed. I'm not saying we should know everything about bats, but I think we should both be ashamed at how ignorant we are of bats in general. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, little, a little embarrassed here. All right. right. So to bring it away from our shortcomings into the shortcomings of Titan season three, what was your least favorite character of the season? Right. I, got, I got like a whole list. So let me just kind of, we'll just narrow it down a little bit. Okay. First off, the dude who had Blackfire's ship, who, I don't know his name. That, that was Gizmo. Oh, that is Gizmo. Okay. Yeah. That, that guy was terrible. I, I, yeah. He yeah. should not have been on this show. Apparently, like he's a minor Titans villain. He or is. Something. Yes, yes, he is. He's yeah. Oh, I looked him up. Yeah, I looked him up. All right, Raven. I like Raven in the first season, but she just randomly shows up in this season. I, I don't even remember like how she came to be. It, I, she was off helping Donna, right? At some point. Yeah, she goes to Paradise Island to try and resurrect Donna. And, you know, remember, she's just like the daughter of Trigon, the yeah. demon, and she yeah. has, you yeah, know, yeah, mystical powers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know I, she I, is, I, and I just don't know why she was there. It was just, uh, she was tacked on. It was kind of weird that, like, a, you know, it looks like she'll be a major role in season four, it looks like. And it's kind of weird that she was off the board for so long uh, in this season. It was not something that I, I was super fond of because I, I like her character quite a bit. I would say right. she's one of my she favorites. She kind of shows up. And then that random, like, poor family Starfire meets on the later I episodes. totally forgotten that until you put it in the notes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what the hell? What did that? That's just. Uh, and then uh, Bruce Wayne as a whole. I don't. What did I, you I, not like about Bruce Wayne this season? Bruce Wayne goes off, he goes away, and he's like. 
he's upset or whatever because I guess of Jason's death. He's he's saddened by it. And then you find out Bruce Wayne is pretty much like a petter ass, and he's like got this contract. He makes all the Robin sign that say they're his soldiers. And then he comes back in the last episode, and he's like, "Oh, I'll never leave again." You know, but and then on top of that, the actor is the dude from Game of Thrones, uh, Sir Jorah Mormont or whatever his name is. Yeah, I I can't remember the actor's name off the top yeah, of my we're, head. We're just gonna call him Sir Jorah because that's what he is. Ian and Glenn, he, maybe. Yeah, he doesn't look like Bruce Wayne. He doesn't fit Bruce Wayne. I can never see that dude dressed up as Batman ever. And it's just well, that's uh, fortunate, Matt, because you never will see him dressed up as Batman. Yeah, I know. On the show. I, way to go with that. I mean, because you cast anybody else, like I, I feel like he's like what Adam West would have become. Like, had, <laughs> had, like I don't know, had they cast Adam West in this role? That, it's it's weird. I didn't I didn't care for Bruce Wayne if you can't if you can't tell. I actually really like uh, both Ian Glenn as an actor. I'm pretty fond of him from Thrones, and uh, he played a, an Irish PI named Jack Taylor that I'm pretty fond of uh, in a in an Irish TV show. So I'm I'm pretty fond of Ian Glenn, and I like his Bruce Wayne for the most part. I agree with you that this wasn't a great season for bruce wayne i don't know there was something that was kind of cool about them playing up batman as like the you know the commander of a child soldier army on the one hand it was kind of interesting but on the other hand they clearly didn't really want to stick with it and they didn't explore or pursue it in any interesting way they just kind of raised it and then kept going exactly yeah that was the other part you just you just left it wondering like what the hell's wrong with bruce wayne <laughs> Yeah, and then like they have Donna like convincing him to not kill himself, which <laughs> I, that was weird. And yeah. I mean, Batman strikes me as a man who has a whole bevy of psychological problems, but suicidal ideation does not strike me as one of Batman's bevy of psychological problems. Mm, no. uh, so yeah, I, I didn't love that. I, I did think the scenes where Jason and Bruce reconcile in the finale actually were pretty touching, and I liked them, but... I did think they were kind of weird given the very dark depiction of him in the early in the show. It, it, it kind of felt a little unearned and underdeveloped and it was just a very weird thing. I mean, I know it has somewhat to do with like intellectual property and contract concerns to have this show be so focused on Gotham and like the Batman mythos this season, but then to also handle Batman in such a secondary and kind of questionable way. I don't know. It's just a, it's, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it's just a really weird artistic decision. That's probably more driven by like corporate contracts. Like, like, like we said in our other episode dealing with Titans, like, I don't know the legality of anything they had to do to use Bruce Wayne. If they had to make him just, just far enough away from like the comic book, Bruce Wayne, that he's his own thing that you have to go through the that many hoops. Why set the damn thing in Gotham city? Just yeah. go with another arc. Do something yeah. different <laughs> outside the box. It's also kind of remarkable because on the one hand, it seems pretty clear that the IP constraints will mean that he can never be in the costume. But it's like interesting that they can portray him in such a dark, dark way. Right? Yeah. Like you would think Warner's or whoever owns Warner's now, I can't, I, I think AT&T spun it off. But you would think they would be more controlling over that. And I, I don't know. It's like, it's, I'm glad Warner's is not more controlling. I don't. You know, I don't like my superhero characters being deeply constrained by their corporate overlords. It's really surprising that on the one hand, they have to be so hands off with them. But on the other hand, they can be so dark. It's just a very weird and unexpected combination. So there are a lot of comic references within this season. My favorite reference, I think, was 
very simplistic. It was just that they had the fear toxin, and then Scarecrow poisons the water supply, which is classic just Scarecrow. I mean, that's just what he does. Same with that's yeah, what the villain. Not just do. Scarecrow, but Joker, Joker and Riddler. Riddler yeah. yeah, that was very simplistic. I I kind of appreciated that. It felt like reading like something straight out of the comics. Um, the other thing I liked was how they introduced Tim Drake in the exact same way that they do in the comic books, where he recognizes Dick Grayson's moves mm-hmm. as something that you know he did as an acrobat, and mm-hmm. he's able to kind of like put the two and two together. Yeah, yeah. It's the big echoes of The Lonely Place of Dying, the right. story that introduces Tim. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's kind of interesting the throwbacks there, like... They in I think it's in the finale, but maybe it's in the penultimate episode. They're either, they're sitting there trying to, you know, basically crack Scarecrow's riddle, right? Like he's mm-hmm. using that W. H. Auden poem, September first, and they're trying to like crack. Okay, what's he referencing in the city? And it just it felt not only like the comics, but it also felt like kind of the dark version of the Batman sixty six TV show. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't watch much of Gotham, but the little of Gotham I did watch, it also kind of had feel of like, oh, this is a very grim and gritty update of the Batman 66 TV show. Yeah, very similar. Uh, Honestly, Gotham and this show kind of go very well together as far as like setting goes. It just here you have an an R rating. It's also kind of interesting because from what I understand about Gotham, it's kind of like in the the prequel mode, whereas Titans is in the, you know, it's almost kind of like in a sequel mode. Like there's a lot of echoes of Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker. Exactly. And it, mm-hmm. it, it you know, it, we kind of feel like we've come in after the peak of Batman's career. Batman's older. He's getting towards the end of his career. And so it's kind of interesting how the TV shows can kind of be at the start or at the beginning, kind of like Birds of Prey did this as well. That old WB show. Oh, where God, it's, that show was terrible. Yeah, I never watched it, but they can't do like, you know, Batman and its prime live action. They have to do prequel or sequel version. As far as the episodes go, do you have a favorite? Yeah, I I was surprised how much I liked uh, the episode Souls, which was the one with Donna and Tim and Hank in the afterlife. Um, If you just described that episode to me, I would tell you it sucks. They like kind of got like very light Twin Peaks or David Lynch vibes from it. I mean, I don't want to overstress the comparison because obviously Lynch and Twin Peaks is a much more sophisticated and interesting show than this. But they got kind of light Twin Peaks vibes in that episode, which is something they've done before. They did. They had some Lynch vibes at the end of season two, as I recall. So I, I really enjoyed that. And yeah, I liked how they brought Donna back. I was not expecting to enjoy them bringing Donna back when they killed her off at the end of season two. And it was, you know, it was a nice send off for Hank. They kind of got the best of both worlds. They got the dramatic death for him that was pretty shocking, and then they kind of get this little sweet epilogue of him in the afterlife. Yeah, that was my my favorite episode was Hank and Dove, the one before uh, Souls. That's the one where Hank is killed. Right. Yeah. 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 That whole episode just was pieced together very well and had you like wondering what was going to happen next. And then they had some really good imagery, like with uh, Explosion with Connor and then Crypto, and they're both walking towards the screen, or coming towards the screen. That was really cool. I, I think I said this before, when because we, we recorded an episode on the first four episodes, and I think that was number three. 
But I, I really thought it was a clever use of both Connor's super intelligence and its super speed, yeah. which are not powers you, you often see utilized that well, even in the comics for Connor or for uh, Clark. And then it was also like that kind of trick of like crypto staying with Hank because he's invulnerable and the bomb doesn't matter to him was actually a pretty like sweet and kind of affecting thing too. Well, that was my favorite episode out of the whole season. I was, I think I didn't, I didn't, nothing else really like sparked my interest like that one episode. Can I, can I bring up another kind of random criticism of the show at this point? Sure. Do you think that the season would have worked better if they had, wrapped the Gotham City storyline up in a couple of more episodes after that kind of dramatic point and then had moved on to something else. Oh yes, a hundred percent. Because it went on forever. I felt like a lot of the episodes that just kind of drags on, I guess is the way and then you finally got to the season finale and you're like, okay, everything has to be wrapped up at this point. Like you have to get things done. But I feel like it could have been wrapped up maybe like episode six ish. Yeah, maybe even episode <laughs> four or five. Like oh, yeah, I, I remember. Mean, but yeah, it drags on, and I'm, that's why when you you know when you you have put this outline together and you asked me for my favorite and least favorite episode, I had to go back and like figure out what happened when because it was just all bunched together to me. Yeah. Well, it's weird because we can go ahead and discuss our rankings for the overall seasons. I so we both say we prefer season one the most, then we put season three in the middle, and then we put season two at the end. And I, I think that's right, but it's also interesting. I think we, it sounds like we both prefer the structure of season two, even though season two wasn't our favorite season, because season one and season three have this pretty like monomaniacal focus mm-hmm. on their stories. Right. And you don't need to drag a story out to 13 episodes. And even in season one, it, it didn't wrap the kind of story with Trigon with Rachel's father didn't wrap in the finale. It, I think they took two episodes into season two to wrap that up. They did. Yes. Yeah. Even though I think season one and three are in some ways executed better than season two. I, I do appreciate the sort of diversity of focus in season two, where you have them settling into San Francisco. You have all the flashbacks to prior incarnations of the team. You have the, the Rose and Jericho and Deathstroke story. There's just a lot more going on. And that, that was nice. It broke up the monotony a little. I agree with the ranking. Uh, I think that that's pretty much what I was, what I was thinking along the lines of, yeah, I do like the way that season two was structured. I just don't think season two had the, character work that seasons one and three have yeah and most of the character work in season two is for characters we haven't seen again like rose and jericho right one thing that you you wanted to ask me about was the the needle drop of the season Mm -hmm. so i'm guessing explain what needle drop for the season is i have an idea of what it means after but just just explain it it just means a soundtrack choice oh soundtrack choice yeah you know like because i was thinking needle drop like 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 what the fuck no, kind of no, thing? No, no, like, no. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I did not get that part, so that's why that would that would be like a a, a record scratch moment. I, yes, I that's what. Which, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, as far as music goes, uh, I like that they played Bon Jovi in the episode you were talking about. Uh, <laughs> that's so random. They re- they really went out with the music budget this season. It they felt did. like. Yeah, they had they had Bon Jovi's living on a prayer. Yeah, they teased Purple Rain, but unsurprisingly, they couldn't afford to actually yeah. do Purple Rain. Yeah. I, I think my my favorite was uh, Scarecrow or John singing uh, "Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls." That was that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was so random. I, but 
hilarious. And I just love that, like, it's like the two kind of defining characteristics of Scarecrow this season are the man really likes W.H. Auden. Well, three defining characteristics. He really likes weed. He really likes uh, one poem by W.H. Auden, a poem that W.H. Auden himself grew to hate. And he likes uh, he likes TLC's Don't Go Chasing Waterfalls. <laughs> yeah, he was not the typical Scarecrow that you see in the comic books, which I, I was okay with at the beginning. But then I really wanted him to just go and like put on the mask and do like scarecrow shit. And they even alluded to it, like they gave him like a gas mask thing that wasn't mm-hmm. quite the scarecrow mask, and you're just mm-hmm. like, God, just be scarecrow. <laughs> yeah. I, I I enjoyed it. Like I he felt like they were doing a take on Jordan Peterson, more or less, at some points, who's a uh uh, evil Canadian uh, right-wing union uh, psychologist that I very much disdain. And I, I appreciate the the tendency to have comic book villains like Red Skull or Scarecrow resemble Jordan Peterson. I think it's a positive development. But the joke wore a little thin because, you know, again, they just spent the entire season on Gotham. And that oh, yeah, the season, a the season's real gone. I mean, that, well, going back yeah. to that, this Scarecrow was not as effective like as a character because the season went on forever. Yeah. If they'd climaxed it in like uh, episode five or six, I, I would be much more positive about the, the scarecrow portrayal. It was interesting how many similarities you did get to the Batman begins movie though, with like scarecrow being the villain and both this season and Batman begins taking a lot of inspiration from no man's land. Yeah. I, also, to some degree, uh, prodigal, prodigal, prodigal son, like the prodigal yeah, son yeah, Prod- prodigal Prod- is what prodigal, it's called. Yeah. That's that's the one where Dick Grayson takes over for Batman temporarily after this sort of trilogy of Nightfall, Night Quest, Night's End. Right. Yeah, I, I felt a little bit of that in there, and then the use of the Lazarus Pit too. Was it Contagion? Um, Contagion is the one where they get a disease released on this. Or no, sorry. That is the one. That's the one where they get a disease released. And then you're probably thinking of Legacy, Legacy. which is a sequel crossover where you find out that Ra's al Ghul engineered the disease mm-hmm. as a part of a, you know, like he's like trying to wed Bane to Talia. So let's talk about that Lazarus Pit thing for a minute since I brought it up. Mm-hmm. I, this this Lazarus reign, what, did, what were your thoughts on that? I thought it was interesting and, you know, creative use of the Lazarus Pit. I didn't, I didn't have any big thoughts or big problems with it. Yeah. I've never seen it done in comics before. So that, that surprised me at first. I was like, Whoa, I've never heard of that yeah. before. I can't, I, it, they're, they might've used it like that, but I, I can't think of it. Yeah. It, but, it was really cool. Yeah. But then at the same time, I felt like the Lazarus pit was used very strangely in this series. The Lazarus pit apparently brings you back from the dead, I guess. Yeah. That's what it's always done. Right. But I always thought you had to still be like, like you can't be completely dead. Like you have to still have like like Rachel um, when he goes it into it, he's still living. Usually he's still alive, but I I think like it can also bring back the very recently dead in the comics if I okay. remember right. Yeah, I, I just always thought you had to be like on your last breath in the Lazarus pit to be brought back. It just seems like anybody that comes out of it's going to be technically like a zombie. Like do you remember yeah. uh, do you remember Son of the Batman? Is it Son of the Batman or Son of yeah, the Yeah, that Son of the Demon. Yeah, yeah. Th- they made a big deal about that because Batman dies in the pit. Like, he gets killed while they're sword fighting in the pit. So that's why he was able to come back. But at the same time, too, like, I thought when you come out of Lazarus Pit, you, you, you go insane 
your temporary insanity. Oh, only temp- yeah, only temporarily. So we missed out that whole part where like all the people who got rained on should have been like rioting and killing each other. Well, I, I guess the argument would be that like in the rain form, it's not as concentrated or because it's <laughs> like it's it's healing them from the fear gas, right? Like yeah. it's not like it's not resurrecting them. Yeah. So in in that sense, it, it kind of makes sense that the the Lazarus rain wouldn't have the same effect as you know a, a dip in the, a full immersion in the Lazarus pit. It was a cool idea though. I have to give them that. That was pretty cool. Did not expect it. Yeah, it was kind of weird, like how focused this season was on resurrection. So we get what Donna, Tim, Jason, Dick. <laughs> And uh, nearly Hank all resurrected. We, we, in some sense, get Batman resurrected, right? Because he's about to die. But yeah. then Donna comes and talks him out of it. I don't know. It, it was kind of interesting, like, what a consistent theme that was, this show. And, I, you know, again, I kind of faint praise. But if you'd told me that going into the season, I'd be like, oh, that sounds like it sucks. But they, they pulled it off pretty well. Another topic here. Oracle, what are your thoughts? It's really weird and interesting to like kind of split Barbara Gordon's personality like three ways. So you have her past as Batgirl, her presence, uh, you know, as a disabled person taking over for her father's job. And then you outsource the Oracle part to this, you know, malevolent supercomputer. I don't know. It's a, it's a kind of interesting, um, interesting choice. I, I haven't read much of the Batgirl stuff since new 52 a lot of it really hasn't been aimed at me i'm not sure if they're using in like the last 10 years if dc has been using oracle as like a kind of malevolent supercomputer i'm not sure yeah i just i I didn't know what to think it was very different what i remember from the comics because i always thought oracle was just you know that's barbara gordon it's not really a computer system but since barbara gordon is batgirl now it wouldn't surprise me that if in one of the Batgirl comics or the Birds of Prey comics, they've turned Oracle into like a, you know, an, an evil AI, AI for her AI to contend with. Yeah. The way they did it, it kind of reminded me of how Batman was using OMAC in the middle of the aughts. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, like Brother Eye and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Or yeah, thanks for correcting me. Yeah, because it's, bro- it's Brother Eye, not OMAC. That's right. That's right. OMAC is just Brother Eye's uh, rival in the future. Barbara Gordon, I was okay with. They also they pull straight from like you said earlier. It's Batman Beyond, but she is all, she has been shot by the Joker. It's Batman Beyond, she was never she never had that happen to her. She doesn't end up in the wheelchair. Oh, that's right, that's right. I'd forgotten that detail. Rarely do you see her in that position as commissioner. They're like I another think... comic too, like Dark. It's a Dark Knight, like maybe a Frank Miller comic. Oh, is it one of the sequels to Dark Knight Returns? I, I may be wrong, but I think yeah, at some it could, point it she's could also be. like I don't, I don't remember something there be. as well. And the Killing Joke didn't happen, so it's it's weird when you do see her like actually she did experience the events of the Killing Joke, and she's also the commissioner. I mean, it's an interesting way to kind of like unify her character. I mean, to to take a, a little, another little tangent, do you? like having Barbara Gordon as Batgirl again, or would you prefer her to just stay Oracle? Uh, just stay Oracle, honestly. I, I, I've always thought of, I've always liked her better as Oracle. Especially I, she's that earpiece for Batman. Because I played the Arkham games, you get her, like, she's talking to you the whole time. It's always like that. Batman's always in contact with somebody that, it, in the comics sometimes it's been Alfred. But Alfred's supposed to be more of like, you know, the, the mentor and the person that takes care of Bruce. 
yeah i don't i don't i don't like alfred doing the voice on the com role right i'm not a huge fan of that yeah i I much i prefer oracle doing that piece yeah i i think so too because i mean partly it may just be we grew up with oracle doing that Mm -hmm. for batman and for with her doing it for the birds of prey which i always thought was pretty cool I don't know. Like I like old, I like old stories with her as Batgirl, but I do have to say, like as much as I liked the Detective Comics run I was recommending to you earlier in the episode, it is a little bit hard to like have a distinct role for every member of the Bat family. And when she's Batgirl in the present, it's kind of like, well, what really separates her from like Batwoman or Spoiler or Tim Drake or Orphan? Right. Like I, I kind of prefer her as Oracle. It's a much more distinct role to me than just Batgirl where, like I said, you know, Huntress and Batwoman and Spoiler and Tim Drake and all Orphan all have very similar characteristics to her in some ways. Back to the back to the show. Anything surprise you? Not really. I mean, I, I've already complained about Dawn and Rachel being off the board for most of the season. It made it made sense. I just didn't love it. Okay, I was surprised by Connor in the in this season. He kind of plays the role of cyborg. How so? You just he doing all the like the science stuff, oh, computer yeah, things, yeah, handling okay, that piece, okay. which you always see cyborg doing in the comics or in the okay, other that's medium. interesting. I and then about that. also, I was surprised he got taken out by Nightwing in this season with the kryptonite dust. Yeah, I I was like, eh, it's too early for that because Connor's really not even been around that long. Like he was born, but he's practically born yesterday if you think about it. I mean, it was yeah. yeah, yeah. Using that one thing, you know, that you had that advantage you have already playing your best hand already at this point, or this early on. I like how they do Connor, but he does. I don't know. My my image of the Titans is like more the classic '80s image, and so he does. He's not there, <laughs> right? Exactly, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like you say, he is sort of filling in for Cyborg, who is busy being pretty awesome on Doom Patrol. I just watched like the first four episodes or so of that. Yeah. So why is Cyborg not on this show? It might have something to do with when the show is in development. I I don't, I'm not super clear on the timeline, but the Justice League movie might also have been in development and they didn't want to do the two versions. They're partly taking their cues from the 80s Titans comics, but they're also taking their cues from the early aughts Titans comic that Jeff Johns wrote. Mm -hmm. And I haven't read those, but both Cyborg and Superboy are on the team in those. And so, I think maybe that's why that because Cyborg was, you know, going to be in the Justice League movie and there's been some falling outs with the actor play, who plays Cyborg. I, yeah. I don't know and haven't followed it. But, yeah, I think there was at some point there was a plan to have a Cyborg movie after the Justice League movie that then got scuttled. And yeah. so maybe because of that, they didn't want to do him on a TV show. But by the time Doom Patrol was in development, maybe they felt like, OK, the. The, the spinoff isn't going to happen. A Justice League sequel isn't going to happen. So we can we can put him in the cast. Another thing that surprised me, that random-ass scene where Jason visits like a porn theater and talks Matt, to Matt, this him. is dark and gritty, Titans. <laughs> and talks to the, to, to, the, to the woman on the other side. Like, really? I mean, it, yeah, it was... That was so unnecessary. Like, it's just so... It did not fit anything. I don't know. I... I it worked pretty well as like a way for him to kind of work through his guilt about hank and (laughs) 
that I, so he know, pays I, to talk he pays to talk to uh, it's also it's also an homage to a great uh Vim vendors film called paris texas one of the great harry dean stanton movies yeah i i, I don't know how much time you've spent in uh in strip clubs or uh, or sex shops or like sex clubs like that, but a lot of folks who go there are actually just looking to pay um, a person to work out some of their baggage. That's that's not uncommon. Uh, I, I did not know this. Okay, that's new to me. Well, another thing that surprised me: the scene where you see Dick dressed up as Joker beating. Yeah, that not was cool. That was very cool. That was yeah. awesome. Some very good scenes like throughout this throughout yeah, the season some good, just some good and striking imagery right mm-hmm. it's also it's weird like how homage friendly this show is not just for the comics but also just for pop culture in general like a lot of twin peaks homages a lot of breaking bad homages with like jonathan and uh, jason cooking the fear gas that that sex theater scene is an homage to paris texas like just a lot of homages in this show let's talk wasted potential Anything in the show that you wish they would have expanded upon or done a better job I with? Think I, I think I've pretty much said my piece. Uh, was discontent about Don and Rachel and kind of discontent that the Gotham plot drug on so long. All right. I'm going to tell you my key thing when it comes to Wasted Potential, the Batcave. <laughs> Where are the wonderful toys? Come on now. If they had fought the T-Rex uh, for an episode, that would have uh, that would have greatly uh, increased my enjoyment of the season. If you're in the Batcave, you want to see Batmobiles, Batwings, Mr. Freeze's gun, all this cool stuff. They did show some things, okay? But there's so much more stuff that should have been there, and it should have been used. That is a weird thing about this show that, like, par- probably, I guess, due to budget, locate- or budget restrictions... The seasons, in my mind, really are very tightly linked with different locations. Like, they spend a lot of time in Wayne Manor in the Batcave this season. Last season, they spend a lot of time in Titan's Tower. But they're pretty nondescript. They're just, like, very luxurious but nondescript places. There's not a lot of, like... And I I guess a lot of that's probably just budget, and it's hard to, like do a you know a proper superhero headquarters on a tv budget like i could not tell if scarecrow was still in the bat cave many times like i'd watch it be like is this still the bat cave this is just computers i mean that's about it it's some computers and some tables with some stuff on it <laughs> yeah yeah i know he's got a trophy room you've shown us some of the trophies do some cool stuff with it so what do you want to see from the show in season four, Matt? I think it has been renewed, right? Yes. All right. I'm going to give you, if they haven't asked me, you know, my input yet, but if I was on their writing team, I'm going to give you a breakdown of what I think should happen. All right. I'd start off the season with like a couple of fun episodes of like the Titans traveling across country on that bus or whatever from the end. Hard traveling uh, heroes, baby. Yeah, exactly. All right. I want them to focus solely on like just character development and reestablishing that whole team piece that I felt kind of was missing sometimes within this season, especially when they went off on their own little, their own little plots. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And especially it needs to be outside of this whole Gotham setting, which just kind of stuck them all in the same place. Yeah. They really don't need to come back to Gotham. No, do not come back to Gotham. You're good there. Batman's back. We're all good. All right. Um, you know, maybe like have them pull into a town and face off against some sealess villains, you know, solve some weird ass mystery like Scooby-Doo or something, you know, explore a cave. I don't care. Like I, I just come up with something cool for them to do in these little areas they stop at. Uh, 
also maybe train Tim throughout this, you know, have him learning how to fight from all the different Titans doing some like danger room kind of stuff. You'd see an X-Men, you know, cool thing. If they're like going to do training, I kind of hope they get another new member or two just to make it, just to get some fresh blood on the show. And like Roy Harper? Cause they, no, fuck no. <laughs> I think Roy Harper would be fantastic. No, no, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. Right. Maybe um, they can have a stowaway in their, in their Well, because they already, they spent like all of season two doing training stuff with like Gar and Connor yeah. and Rose and Jericho. So like, if they're going to go back to that, I would rather they do it with, uh, with a couple of new characters, not just Tim. Yeah. And I don't mean like long drawn out training. I just wanted to show that, okay, Tim's learning how to fight or whatever. All right. Now, get that boy in a costume. Yeah. In the fourth episode, they get back to Titan's Tower and then we're going to get a couple of episodes with, like, Argus trying to convert the team Boo. into, like, this government-funded hold on, this government funded team Boo. thing. But it's going to backfire, and the Titans just kind of blow off Argus at that point. They're like, okay, they, something happens. I don't know, maybe we get some Argus people coming after him. Something cool. All right, last part of the season. This is the big one. Last part of the season. I want Lex Luthor to show up. And I want him to try to turn Superboy against the Titans and cause a big rift in the team so much to work with here and like especially the whole what i mentioned earlier dick blowing that kryptonite dust in connor's face that should be enough to be, think that maybe the titans aren't really as as good of friends or whatever as he thinks they are and of course like you said i want tim to don that costume at some point i like the idea of using luther as a big bad for season three but four. i wonder sorry season four but i wonder if you wouldn't run into like similar problems that they've already run into with uh, Bruce Wayne and Jonathan Crane if they go with Luther. I agree that Luther makes sense for Superboy given that he's his dad, but I just uh, I don't know if the Lex Luther Jr. dude with the red hair. Lex Luther okay. Jr. Okay. Red-headed beard, red-headed long hair. Ooh, and then the revelation can be he and he and Connor are both clones. He's not the real Bam. Luther or something. Yeah. You got okay. it. You got it. Yeah. Bring that Supergirl in there too. Yeah, yeah, that show's over. Oh, yeah, with that show over, they could do the version of Supergirl. Holy shit, Bob, we got this. Yeah. That would like be it. fun, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I, I do strongly, strongly object to the Argus and uh, Roy Harper plans. Uh, oh, God. No they, Argus, They set please. that stuff up. Argus is, so, it, it, Argus is so bad in the comics. I don't want to see Argus. They even got Amanda Waller, like, whole whole season in there just to sit that set up. It's so it's such a cheap knockoff of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's so, it's so bad. <laughs> I like Roy Harper on Young Justice. I like him in like no other context. <laughs> um, yeah, rough. I don't know. For for my part, I would I would hope they kind of do what you're outlining and do like two, three, four big stories instead of yeah. one big story. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, another like traditional Titans uh, antagonist, like the organization Hive or Brother Blood. Although it strikes me with how much they did the Lazarus pit um, in season three. Maybe it wouldn't make a lot of sense to do brother blood next season. Cause he's a little repetitive of that. And uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Rose and Jericho back. I, I enjoyed them. I did want to ask, do you think that Tim should just become Robin or do you think he should be red Robin? Do you think he should be something else? Robin, just Robin. He should be Robin. Okay. I mean, I just, I worry that would create like, 
a kind of annoying plot line between like him and Jason over like, cause it doesn't seem like they left Jason in that place, but that would just seem like the natural direction to take that as if yeah. they make Tim Robin, it's going to be like, Oh, Jason's angry. You just wrote season five and season six right there, Bob. Yeah, good. I don't, I don't know that the show did six <laughs> seasons. That sounds like an awful lot. The, the show is such trash, but it's fun trash. It's worth watching if you love DC Comics and yeah, yeah, can, can make it through the long, long arc that should have only been six episodes. I think I like this show better when I binge it rather than when I watch it week to week, honestly. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. It was a lot easier for me to binge. Uh, season two maybe we should uh we should bear that in mind uh uh for season four if we do cover season four we should just wait and well we could do like what we did now like binge maybe like the first half and then binge the second half or something like that yeah that sounds like a good idea but i'm one of those people like i'll still watch it anyway week to week just because oh i'm i'm gonna try not to watch it week to week because i I don't think to do I don't, I don't, that did that did not do wonders for my enjoyment. I did want to ask: Have you watched much of Doom Patrol? No, I haven't. I need to. Okay, my my boy Noah and I are going to start uh, watching what he hasn't seen in season one together, and then go forward. It's fun. I I, I like it. I I think it's set on a different Earth than the Titans, which is kind of weird because I don't see any reason it needs to be. But I guess it just is a different Earth. They're all going to come together in this Flash movie, so don't worry about it. Uh, well, I I won't know that because I'm not going to see it. <laughs> but Bob, that's the whole point in having all these shows, so you go watch the Flash movie. No, no, I just, I just enjoy the show, man. I don't I don't want to see the Flash movie. The no, guy who no. plays the Flash sucks. All the guys. <laughs> yeah, it's Ezra Ezra Miller is going to be the Flash, right? He sucks. Yeah, it's Ezra Miller. Bob. He's awful. So annoying. The um, only thing I'm looking forward to is seeing Michael Keaton as Batman again. I think it's going to be cool. That's about it. I'm glad you'll get to live that dream. Get that nostalgia right there. The yeah. dream, the dream of 1989, is alive again in theaters in 2022. And Ghostbusters Afterlife, Bob. Ghostbusters are back. Not gonna Bob. watch that either. Three ones that are still alive. It's gonna be. <laughs> Which one's dead? Uh, Egon. Oh, uh, R.I.P. Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> He's probably gonna I... come back as a ghost, Bob. Don't don't worry. That seems a little disrespectful. Oh, the actor is dead or the character is dead? The actor's dead. That seems pretty disrespectful to bring him back as a as a ghost. Bob, they the have like holograms dead. of Whitney Houston going on tour, so I don't trust yeah, me, people they, don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> they should they shouldn't do that. It's weird and creepy. And it's visually awful when they did it in uh, Star Wars Rogue One. Ugh. So bad. <laughs> Hopefully next season will be uh be just as trashy, but Just no Argus, please. I'm begging you, God, no Argus. You hear that HBO Max? We don't want Argus. Nobody wants it. Nobody wants it. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, this has been uh, the Galaxy's Greatest Podcast about the two great 90s space station shows, Babylon 5 versus DS9. But tonight we were talking Titans Season 3. I'm Bob from Cascadia. That's Matt from the Southland. Have a good night, everybody. Fuck Batman.